Parkcliffe, riots, cigarettes, and eating snails? Ugh. There was a terrible accident up here back in the 80s. Must have been then. I think it was about 20, 30 years ago that a riot happened. A man who was notorious, well, I'll call him a rubber browser, because he was. The way we're going, it's going to happen again. The police had a special bike and he managed to steal it. Well, I see like 12, 13 year olds smoking, going on to motorbikes. Unfortunately, there was a young boy and he had him on the back. Because we get bored, we burn stuff and like we cause trouble. As soon as the police knew it was gone, they sent everything up here. That's why police gets fed up of us. One of the cars swung across to stop the bike coming up the road. But clever cock, that was his last. Killed both of them, the man on the bike and the boy as well. The tragic accident that took place in July 92. Well, that caused a hell of a lot amongst his fraction of people. Proved to be the catalyst to three nights of rioting. They went down in Sons Avenue, a rampage in, and there was little kids picking stones up, and there was bricks flying around. A low point in Hartcliffe's history. You think if it happened from one person getting killed, what's stopping it from happening again now around there? So, of course, we didn't get a very good press over that. Hartcliffe didn't have that same reputation in the 50s that it subsequently had in the 80s and 90s. My name's Colin Smith. I was brought up in Hartcliffe from about 1952 and left when I got married in 1974. Hartcliffe is situated on the southern edge of Bristol, sprawling onto the slopes of Dundry Hill. It's a housing estate that was built in the 50s, offering promises of rural idyll to the inhabitants of the inner city slums. It's wonderful, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. That's Terry, aged 88, who moved here with his family in 1959. I was in the house two days and a knock came on the door and it was two men and they wanted to know if I could go down and help with the Cubs and Scouts, they were short. In those early years, a lot of effort was put into providing activities for the whole community. That period for the people gathering together was the best time. My name is Graham Martin. I've lived in the vicinity of this allotment at Molesworth Drive for the last 72 years. I can remember all this is farmland. When I was five or six is when they first started to build the estates up. There was no payments no roads. The nearest bus stop was at the top of 
Bemister Down. There were no buses that actually reached Hartcliffe, and in order to get there, we had to walk. You had to walk down through the streets, which were in mud. And if it had been raining, you just got plastered. My mum used to despair when we would go out and play in the streets because most of it was still being built around us, of course. We'd come in, as she would say, mired in mud, you know, and she had to sort of clean us all up. So we were growing up in this building site, effectively. By May 1953, there were 700 families living in Hartcliffe, but they had to wait until 1956 for the first supermarket to open its doors. We had travelling shops. Mr Chandler used to bring his Morris Minor traveller around, packed with groceries, and my mum would order one week and he'd bring them the next week. The bread man used to come, the milkman used to come, because there were no shops. It was challenging living, and of course people had to live and work in these conditions at the same time. Life was tough for the young families moving in. Food was scarce. They had to learn to make do. Obviously it was just after the war years. Things was tight, money was tight. As a kid, whatever your mother put on your plate, you ate. Because you knew very well there was nothing else. I lost my mother when I was five and I had to go and live with my grandfather. And the first meal on the table was a huge stack of snails. But people ate them then. And at first, I said, you've got no chance. But I ate them because I wasn't going to get anything else until I ate me snails. The best place to pick them is on dry stone walling, providing there's no ivy. If they've been on ivy, it makes the snail bitter. Growing up next to the countryside had its benefits. From the age of three up until the age of 16, we would literally go out onto Dundry slopes, we would climb trees, we'd make fires, we would sadly collect birds' eggs as well and we'd just get up to all sorts of things on the slopes. It was our playground. When I was a teenager, there was a youth club. There were several youth clubs. For whatever reason, there are no youth clubs in the vicinity now, which I think is gravely missed. I think it's somewhere for young children and teenagers to get them off the streets. Because that's all kids want is something to do now on the streets. I'm Matt Bradford, I'm from Hartcliffe. I'm 19 years old and in Hartcliffe there isn't really much to do anymore. As a youngster, I did appreciate the countryside. I am a countryman at heart. But obviously, things change. Now, I think it's an up-and-coming area, Hartcliffe. Although we do feel sometimes we're left out on a limb, I think a bit more money could be spent in the regeneration, which is one of the reasons I joined Hague, because Hague, as a group, are encouraging the regeneration activities, which I think is sorely needed 
here. The Hartcliff Health and Environmental Action Group, Hague, was set up in 1990, a community-run project to provide support to local people. Sue Walker worked there as a coordinator for over 25 years. The problems that we're still seeing now, unfortunately, were around then. There was a lot of people with ill health, people dying younger than on average, and there was a lot of sort of discontent. The housing wasn't very good. They were basically concrete slabs with steel wires in them, all slotted together a bit like Lego. During the winter, they were really, really cold. And I used to sit on the grate in front of the coal fire in order to keep warm, you know. There was lots of cars being stolen and burnt, taken up to the top of Dundry and run down, burning. And <laughs> the farming community weren't very happy with all of that on the slopes. Even in the early 70s, Hartcliffe was struggling with its reputation. I worked for BT for 28 years and I always remember being introduced on the first day and somebody said, hello, Colin, and where do you live? And I said, I live in Hartcliffe. And you could see people sort of, you know, their eyes dropped to the floor as if I'd sort of come from some different planet because Hartcliffe was this huge estate where post-war families had been dumped, you know. It's a reputation that the locals think is undeserved. People says Artcliffe is down because this was created for people this deprived, but it's not actually that deprived. Um, if you think about it, you've got Morrisons, you've got a load of shops, you've got good transport, and people just assume that it's still like it was in the 80s and it's not nowhere nothing like it. When I tell people I'm from Artcliffe, they're like, oh, Jesus, like, all right, mate, like... But, like, I'm not at, it's only a place. It's like Withywood, no less. It's like Clifton. Haig is trying hard to regenerate the community. We have a number of projects, starting with mental health counselling, psychotherapy and that sort of thing. Then we have two community gardens where people can um, help out with the growing. All this area is Haig, and I sort of keep this up together. I just put my onion sets in. I've got some spring cabbage what I'm going to put in and it goes to what they call the hive. The food that's grown in those gardens, the volunteers have some themselves and then the rest goes into the kitchens where we run courses for young parents, people who might have a diet-related illness such as diabetes, for people to learn basic skills in cooking or cooking on a budget, all those sorts of things. Working alongside Hague is the Hartcliffe and Weaverwood Partnership, HWP, which runs Access to Achievement. My name's Andrew Melbourne. I manage the youth training department at HWV. My main aim is to help young people who have not achieved well at school, got low grades in their GCSEs, and I'm like a stepping stone, I really like a stepping stone. Well, HA is a college and this is to improve your maths and English and like your personal skills. So today we're doing CVs, Thursday we do a bit of cooking, you know, just a bit of life skills. There's very lot for young people. There's something to do for the sort of children between say 11 and 15, but after that there's a massive gap. That's where you get a lot of young people uh, roaming the streets, riding around on bikes. Get up to mischief, basically, only because they're bored, there's nothing for them to do. I like to think that, you know, kids can come somewhere and talk about their problems.
It's about investing in children. It's about giving them opportunities and giving them insight into where they live and how they live and what they can do with themselves. There's me. I was brought up in a working-class family in Hartcliffe. My dad earned 15 quid a week, went to work on a bike, and I ended up at university. And then I ended up as Lord Mayor. Well, it says something about if you find the right teachers, the right people, the right mentors who can nurture you into finding a path that builds on your potential and opens up opportunities for you, that's what you can do with your life. There's a growing desire within the community to put the heart back into Hartcliffe. We want to make this better for like my kids or like my grandchildren. I want them to go, oh, this is an amazing place, Hartcliffe, not, oh, it's Hartcliffe. It is friendly, it is brilliant, but there is a few little pockets of areas where the council could help and it would be even better. Hartcliffe, it used to be such an amazing place and I think it still could, but it do need to change. The name of the neighbourhood is from the late Anglo-Saxon period, when Maestal South Bristol was part of the Hartclyde Hundred, which is like an old council or something. Hare is the Saxon word for army, and Clive refers to a steep and bumpy rock. Twelve communities, one Bristol. After half an hour bus ride from the city centre, Sonia and myself arrived to BS13 Hartcliffe. Once there, we met and spoke to some residents of the community. Francis, Karen Marie and James told us about their childhood memories, living, growing up in Hartcliffe, the cigarette manufacturing factory back in the day and the magnificent Dandria Slopes. I said I have lived in Hartcliffe for a long time now. Oh. Right, you have your cup of tea. Right. I'm the shoebox lady, or call Santa Claus. Have you heard of me on the telly? No. Oh, have you? <laughs> I was on the television, I was on the radio, I was in the papers, because I do shoeboxes. Ah. I'm the shoebox lady. Yeah, I've heard about anyway, you. I lived in Hartcliffe for 25, what, 30 years altogether. I left Hartcliffe a long time ago, and my husband became ill. Then we had to move to Whitchurch in a flat. I was born in Bishopsworth, actually, which is just, just down the road, isn't it, I would say, <laughs> where it was then, walking distance. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do you remember any stories from your childhood, from when you were little? From when I was little? <laughs> Me, you'd been bullied by my sisters. I was a very tell-tat, so I used to tell tales on my sister, so then they used to shut me in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when I was a little girl, because uh, my sisters used to hate it because they had to take me everywhere with them because I was the youngest of three. So obviously they had to take me everywhere they went, which they weren't happy with. Remember that Hartley was a marvellous place to live. And just because we had the riots back whenever it was, what year it was, and that was a big nothing to do with Hartley people at all. They all came in from Cardiff and everywhere. 
just started the riots and we got the blame. The boy on the motorbike, I don't know if you know about the incident, he came from Hartcliffe, but that wasn't nothing to do with the Hartcliffe people. We had got a bad name, a bad stigma about Hartcliffe being a very rough and nasty area, which is not. It's not. So what is what is the area like? Lovely. Lovely. I mean, I don't live up here now, but he comes up here. He goes, you know, to shopping up here, and I come to this and that here up here. And I've got a lot of friends who live up here. Because I was 32 years in Hartcliffe, you know, like, so I know a lot of people. There's nothing wrong with Hartcliffe. <laughs> so do you remember when when the cigarette manufacturing plant was Yes, because they live right opposite me. The, the factory was built right opposite where I lived. I lived in the old Whitchurch Lane. The factory was built right opposite Whitchurch. How about the natural area of, of Dundry Hill? Did you used oh, to I go? I used to walk up Dundry every week, yeah, with my son. Walked to Wimper Market. Used to, couldn't do it now. <laughs> What do you think is different about this area compared to well, the rest of Bristol? Apparently it's very bad up here at night. I don't know, because I don't come up here at night. Apparently there's quite a bit of trouble in Simon's Avenue at night. But that's only what I've been told. I don't know, because I, I don't come out at night. <laughs> anyway. All right, then, my love. I live in the BS13 uh, postcode, Hartcliffe. Uh, I've lived in this area for nearly 49 years. Oh, I've many stories. I had many great memories of uh, Hartcliffe growing up with my siblings and my friends and the fantastic green space that we've got. We're very fortunate compared to other parts of the city because we're actually right by Dundry Slopes. So through my childhood, we had many adventures, you know, cutting the farmer's fields, <laughs> going up through East Dundry, looking at the fantastic views, taking a jam sandwich back then. And like today's time, obviously, because society's changed, you know, we would actually knock on someone's door and ask for, say, a glass of water because we were thirsty. And, yeah, yeah, great, great memories. Uh, when the tobacco factory um, in Hartcliffe closed. Um, however, there were lots of people in this community who actually worked at the tobacco factory. Um, they worked at... The mushroom farm, you had a lot of mushroom farm workers, and you had a lot of people who actually worked in Minehead, in Butlins. But back then, they used to have a pickup coach uh, for the mushroom farm and Butlins, which used to go along Hawkfield Road, all along Bishport Avenue, um, up through Witherwood. So they were picked up and they were actually taken to their workplace and then brought back to the area. But yeah, I know at that time it did actually hit. The economy very hard and obviously it affected the, em the employment in the area. I was born here and uh, we lived we lived here, we lived on Hare Clive Road in the flats there and we were dirt poor, you know, we didn't have anything. My parents struggled and I, I do remember actually I, I, living in those flats where we didn't have anything but we shared stuff, you know, what we did have we shared, uh, you know, the, maybe six flats you know, and all of us children in there and all, all being together and doing things together. Because when you're poor, you have to share stuff. You don't have any choice, you know. For me, that community spirit that I talked about just now was there then. Uh, but I can certainly say that it's definitely here now. Farther away from the hassle and bustle of the shops and the parking lot, we walk towards Harcliffe Community Farm, 
surrounded by the dandry slopes, a beautiful landscape where we could breathe the fresh and pure air of the countryside. My name is Rocky Pierce. I'm the farm manager of Harcliffe Community Park Farm. I've been here 36 years. Postcode is BS130QH. There's a nice area, there's nice people on this estate. Uh, we get bad publicity like elsewhere, but the people here are very nice people and they will get on with you. They talk to you, they're very friendly. Uh, don't listen to rumour, we are a very friendly estate. And you have the accent, the Bristolian accent. Oh, I am a Bristolian. And we got a person down the road there making signs for us, and one of the words on the sign says, RKE, Whoopisti. And that's proper Bristolian, of course. And uh, they're doing these signs, and they're selling these signs and giving the money to the farm, which is very good. We got good stories about the farm. When they were young children, they were young, as such, they come up when they were young, they come up when they're older with their own children, and they tell their kids how the farm was when they were children, and how nice it is, and how they should enjoy the future like they did in the past. It's there for their future, yes, to enjoy. We always get good stories. One time we had, we had a scheme up here called, um, community, um, called the Community Programme, and it was for long-term unemployed. And they may have been people with the tobacco factory, and a lot of them come up here, work up here, and up to build the farm. The farm was built by local people originally, so they have got a lot of um, ties to it because of that. So they bring their children, their grandchildren come up here, all age groups, I said, generations come up here, yeah. And I said, it relates to them because their fathers may have worked here, their grandfathers may have worked here, today's children. They come here to look at what their parents may have done or their grandparents may have done up here. And they do enjoy it. The animals are free of charge from the touch. They, they, they could talk to them. Uh, it's a, uh, an enjoyment and it's an outlet. And it is an outlet for all, everybody. Even for yourselves, perhaps, when you walk around. We want to see a nice farm here for future generations. Yes, we do. And how about the... Is it the Dundry Hill? How, Dundry Slopes. How, it's, it's called Dundry Slopes because um, all these the slopes, the, the hills, one class, all lead up to Dundry. And uh, that's what's called Dundry Slopes. It's a, a gateway to the... Um, countryside. Apart from the landscapes, I've heard that there is some really rare birds. There are rare birds along here, yeah. They fly about, they pitch stuff there. We've got bats at night flying around up here. We've got all sorts, yeah. We are a nice piece of the countryside, yes. What do you think it makes the area different, Harcliffe, different to the rest of Bristol? Well, we've got more green uh, up here. We've got more fresh air up here. We've got no smoke up here, you might say. We are a, a fresh air environment up here. A very nice piece of countryside, basically, in every respect, we are. I think it's making memories as well. Yeah, no? that's what I'm saying. I feel good inside because I look back over the period of time when it was a piece of land here. We'd be able to up from scratch, you might say, uh, with all those lot of people from way back in time. And they all feel good about this farm as well. They come up here, they walk around, they, they talk about their memories, what they did, what they didn't do. And uh, it's good to hear it. We call uh, reminiscing is good to reminisce. At the time we met Rocky, Harcliffe Community Farm had been threatened with closure. We hope and wish that Harcliffe Community Farm carries on building fond memories, nurturing long life friendships, and that for future generations, the farm doesn't just get relegated to either written or oral history. So what does Hartcliffe mean to me? I grew up not too far from Hartcliffe, 
just on the other side of Hengrove Park in Whitchurch. As a child, I remember lighting fires and messing around on Dundry Hill. And when I got older, there were sleepovers and parties in the tower blocks. Good times. So, to finish up, let's keep calm and drink tea with a number of local Hartcliffe residents. My name's Colin Smith. I lived in Hartcliffe from 1951 to 1974 when I got married. I was lucky enough to be a councillor for part of Hartcliffe as well. Um, and today I'll be talking about my life in Hartcliffe. Uh, Mum was called Eileen Mary Tame, and then my dad was Frederick Roy Smith. They got their first house, which was the first council house that we lived in, in Hartcliffe, at number 12 Lind Close. And we moved in in 1951. We moved in on a flatbed lorry that my dad had borrowed from work. There were no shops. My mum used to have the groceries delivered by a man called Mr Chandler, who had a shop in Ashton. And he used to come every Saturday in his, um, in his Morris Minor Traveller and bring the groceries that you'd ordered the week before. There were no buses. In 1951, when we moved in, the nearest bus stop was literally about a half an hour walk from our house. The other issue was the roads were being prepared, so there were roads, but essentially because it was a huge building estate, they were all covered in rich, thick, sticky mud. Um, so you talk to everybody about who moved into Arkliffe when it was being built, and the first thing they will always say to you is, the mud. Yeah, that was the initial thing, was no shops, no buses, Roads still being developed, mud everywhere. And of course, the other thing was the rats were being disturbed from their nests as well because it was countryside before then. My name is Richard Phillips. Um, I was actually born in Hartcliffe. The end of Hartcliffe we moved in first was a block of flats at the end of Hareclive Road. My name's Lorraine Davies. I've lived in Hartcliffe for 16 years. I, I was born in Bedminster, then we moved to Hartcliffe in the flats, like Richard said. It would have been 1952, and the Lord Mayor actually opened the flat. It was a whole new venture, Hartcliffe, with this new estate built in the wilderness. Um, absolutely nothing there at all, no road, no shops, no buses. Nothing, just a farm opposite where we used to get produce. There were no barriers between us and the farm or the field, hence waking up most mornings the cows in the garden. Um, Dad was from Southville in Bedminster. Mum lived in an inner city in the old market. They had an Anderson shelter as most houses did then in the garden. You know, what good they would do, I don't know, it was only tin. Um, but they used to go in there for shelter on the bombing start. But she said one night she was in bed and the bomb was so close, she must have landed in old market. Uh, and she blew her out of bed. To move to the flat in St John's Lane, obviously only temporary, and then get a chance to move to Hartcliffe, which has been brand new, build everything. Yeah. I suspect they probably grabbed at the idea, they loved it, they really wanted to go there.
Hi, I'm Jim Beecham. Uh, I, as a small child, 1955, moved to Hartcliffe, which is about uh, five years after the first house was built. The estate started being built in around 1950, and they built for the next 10 years, and it was basically to get people out of rooms. Uh, there was a shortage of housing because of the boom in, in children after the war. And uh, of course there was a lot of bomb damage and also they needed to just revamp the city, knock a load of slums down and sort of build all these estates. Hartcliffe being one of them. People were moving out quite rapidly. But I haven't got intense memories of loss because it was a massive adventure. I mean we were going from uh, having a bath that was unusable uh, to a, a brand spanking new three-bedroom house with a hot water system and a, and a fire you could sit around in an operating bath and it was amazing. For most of us who were living there, I mean most of the people that we knew had moved into Arkcliffe from poor housing or even no housing. They were sharing with families and relatives etc. So these were their first houses that they had as families. I remember the joy and, and, the, and the wonder on the faces in, of my mum and dad as they moved into their first own house. So it was, it was a place where people had a sense of stability, they had a sense of good housing, uh, they had a sense of optimism that things were happening for them that were going to be good for them and their families in the future. We used to go walking most weekends and we got through the fields up to Dundry, down to Winvert village, which is like six or seven miles. On our own, yeah. But we used to knock on doors and ask for glasses of water while we were en route. And when people say there was no need to lock doors, there wasn't any need to lock doors. No. Yeah, it was a really great place to, to grow up in, I think. Yeah. Um, Everyone was so friendly there, weren't they? If you needed anything, there were neighbours there to help you. And they, then they all had small families. And then we all sort of grew up together and we all went to school together. So I'm still friendly with my friend. We've been friends now for 65 years. So we used to make our own entertainment. Uh, just around the corner, there was a piece of wasteland with a tump in the middle. That we used to hide behind this tump. And if you got a branch of a certain length and some clay, and you moulded the clay into a ball and stuck it on the end of the branch, you could actually throw it quite some distance. <laughs> so we'd, we'd all get behind this tump and throw these balls of clay at people's houses or just stuck down. We had like roller skates, which were the tin wheels, and we'd always have an annual every Christmas. But we, just by us, there was a hill. So you'd put your annual on one of your skates and go down this hill. you sit on one skate with your annual and just go down. We used to spend a lot of time up on the slopes of Dundry, getting up to all kinds of mischief, some of which would you know, you couldn't even talk about today, but, uh, you know, birds' nests and eggs and making dens and making fires. And um, and then bit by bit, as the community developed, you had things like scouts and, and other community groups, youth clubs and stuff. When I was 14, they opened a youth club and that allowed interaction between boys and girls. Because boys played with boys and girls played with girls. But the youth club brought boys and girls into the same space. You'd be amazed at how many people left that club in sort of 17, 18, stopped going there, and married the girl they met in the club. I did. So a lot better. It was fantastic. The guy who ran it gave up four evenings a week, week after week for years. And we didn't realise what he was 
sacrificing to do it for us. As things progressed, shops opened. We had a shopping centre in Symes Avenue, which was like a we we thought was like wonderful. You know these these big shops like Co-op and Burtons and Woolworths. There was a hairdresser, so barbers. I didn't have a lot of choice in the other shop back inside. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Until the Beatles appeared, and I remember seeing the Beatles on the Palladium the very next day or the next week. Almost all my cafe all had a piece of fringe. We all copied the style, you know, still ridiculously short sides, but we all had a fringe. We had to work twice as hard because we came from Harkleaf. There's a term that they use called normal for Harkleaf, NFH. Doctors used to write this on the medical notes of patients in their surgery, NFH. Now, can you imagine what that that social stigma brings normal for Hartcliffe. It's a vast estate. It was created out of nothing. It's been around for 70 years. It's establishing a reputation, it's establishing a history. It's still evolving and developing like most other places do. It's no different from anywhere else. And the people are no different from anybody else. I was going off on the train to Portsmouth. First time I'd left home. I was 18 years old and I'm stood on the platform and all of a sudden I hear this voice, Colin, Colin. Anyway, I look round, it's my dad. My dad had gone to work, he'd got time off to come and see me off at the station. My dad was not a man who showed emotions, he was a very humble, humble man who found it really difficult to show his emotions. Anyway, he's running down the platform. He said, oh, I just got an hour off to come and see you off. He thrust a 10 pound note in my hand. 10 pounds were a lot of money then. It was a lot of money. He thrust a 10 pound note in my hand and he said, don't tell your mother. No. <laughs> That was it, that was my dad. That sums up Arcliffe, my dad, me. It was, it was just a fantastic moment. And I never did tell my mother. For this episode, I'd like to thank Nicola Ruck, Rosabel Portella, Sonia Jimenez, and Fred Ingram. This podcast has been brought to you by BCFM, Bristol's first community radio station, in partnership with Bristol 24-7, Bristol Museums, Bristol Archives, and the University of the West of England funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Cheers, mate. Bye.